Hello and welcome to the 4D Global Infrastructure Podcast for October 2022. My name is Dave Whitby from Benelong Funds Management and joining me today is one of the co-founders and principals of 4D who also acts as their global equity strategist, my old friend, Mr. Greg Woodsell. Hello, sir. How are you today? Hi, David. Thank you for the introduction. Great to be here. Looking forward to having a bit of a chat. Definitely. Um, Greg, there is just so much going on in the world at the moment. It has been a, hasn't been a fun time. It's been very challenging on the markets for both direct investors uh, and also for fund managers. Um, we are in the midst of some very difficult economic times. Can you just give us your take on what is going on in this macro environment? Sure. So yeah, you, you're definitely right, David. These are difficult economic times at, at present and Really, the issue uh, on everyone's mind is inflation and the inflation threat for the, for the global economy, which interestingly reached a 40-year high in the US, so it's a, it's a real problem. Um, and this, as everyone would have noted, has seen central banks raise around the world raise interest rates to tighten monetary policy to try and fight it. And just before we talk a little bit about that, I just wanted to, um, if I could, just regress a little or digress a little back into some recent economic history, which will help hopefully put today's environment and actions by the central banks into a little into a bit of context. So in 90, 1981, the US was in the midst of its second brutal stint of double digit inflation. In less than a decade, gas prices were high, mortgage rates were high, and the job market was weak as well. So it was in a very, very difficult place. Now this crisis would end, and most economists give credit to, for it ending to Paul Volcker, who was chair of the US Federal Reserve from 79 to 87. And so what Volcker did was he got inflation under control by some very tough monetary policy, um, raising interest rates, which basically engineered two massive but brief recessions in the US. And by the end of the 80s, um, the US, the inflation had ebbed um, as a result of these, these um, recessions and the US economy was booming. So everyone looks at that period, um, you know, 20, 30 years ago now, as that's the, that's the rule book on inflation treatment. And so to put this in perspective, so the Federal Reserve Board led by Volcker raised the Fed funds rate, which had averaged 11% in 1979 to a peak of 20% in 1981. So these guys had a real swing at inflation with interest rates in that time. And that, that led to the recession, which not surprisingly created a huge amount of, um, huge amount of protest in the, in the US at the time because of the damaging impact of recessions have on the economy. But nevertheless, he stuck to his guns and he drove inflation out of the US economy and out of the U and out of the global economy. So this this process helped establish the, the precedent of independent central banks. And what an independent central bank is is one that, that doesn't take direction from government on what to do on monetary policy. So you, a government cannot instruct an independent central bank on what to do with interest rates. And the objective of that is very clear to get politics out of monetary policy. Very simple, very sensible process. Can't independent central banks can't be influenced by government. Therefore, you're getting, there's no, no politics in, in it in monetary policy. Um, and just to put it in context, in Australia, the RBA was given its independence by the Howard government in 1996. And I can well remember Paul Keating, Mr. Howard's predecessor, talking about supposedly having control over the RBA. And one of his very famous quotes was that he had the RBA in his pocket. So prime ministers can't say that anymore or don't say that anymore because the RBA is now completely independent and makes its own makes its own decisions. And it also, this period in the 80s also set the, set the process of establishing inflation goals, inflation targeting, and the, the RBA 
again, to put it in local context, put, has a two to three percent inflation target, and that was established in 1993. So you can see what a lot was learned from these bulker years in terms of what to do with inflation. So with that um, backdrop and the experience of the 80s, I think we will continue to see central banks continue to tighten monetary policy as a means of fighting inflation because it was proven to have worked in the in the 80s and it may well lead to an economic slowdown but the reason inflation is such a target for, for, for banks and governments is that it's seen to be very corrosive to economies if it gets out, out of control and for example it is very damaging and hurts hurts most the people that can least afford to to bear it so the low income earners or fixed income earners such as pensioners they get left behind with inflation because their incomes don't go up at any near anywhere near the way the rate at which price of goods services go up. So they're the ones that really get hurt. And they're the ones, you know, it, it's a really corrosive element, which, which is why the why we fight so hard, or why central banks fight so hard, in irrespective of some the economic downturn that might they could occur um, in fighting inflation. So that's sort of the backdrop to where we are. I think they'll continue to stick to their guns and forge ahead to um, fight inflation going forward. I tell from that. Volcker style uh, approach, Greg, going across the pond there over to the UK. Now they seem to be following quite a different path. You know what, what's going on there? So um, they introduced a mini budget, and that led to chaos in asset markets, as we saw. It's really a, a really strange thing to do, and they've reversed some of those actions now, and they're talking about doing more. But this actually followed very very um, harsh comments from people such as the Bank of England. Um, the IMF and Moody's. And just again, to briefly digress, to put what the UK has done in the context. So there's two institutions broadly to manage economics in, in, a, in a developed economy. So you've got central banks managing monetary policy, which we've already spoken about, and they're now independent. And then you've got governments running fiscal policy. So taxing and spending, and that's their domain in terms of um, managing an economy. So what do we have in the UK? Well, we have the Bank of England, you know, following bulk of policy, if you like, in, in raising interest rates to fight inflation. Then all of, along, all of a sudden, along comes a new British Prime Minister promising ma massive unfunded tax cuts, which is very expansionary in an economic sense because it gives people more money in their pockets, they go and spend, and that can potentially drive inflation. So what you had in the UK is you had a central bank tightening monetary policy, raising interest rates, tightening monetary policy, trying to slow the economy down. And then you've got a, a government comes in with expanding fiscal fiscal policy, trying to drive the economy faster to increase in employment, et cetera, et cetera. So you had two... The two policies available to governments or central banks diametrically opposing what they were trying what they were trying to achieve. One was trying to slow the economy per Volcker, Volcker monetary policy theory, as it is the rest of the world. And then along comes the UK fiscal policy trying to expand the economy. So you had you know these two policies directly contradictory to each other. Asset markets just said, well, what what the F's going on here? You know, you've got these two things that are completely contradictory. What's going to happen? And so we had crazy, you know, huge volatility, particularly UK asset markets, but fundamentally had a, this crazy situation where you had the two arms of policy for government going in the opposite direction. So where to from here, do, do you think, Greg? Well, I think at this stage, I mean, a lot will depend how far back the UK back flips, although there will, will be a confidence issue there. You'll need to look at it in two perspectives. As I've said at the start, I think the 
the rest of the developed world will stick the bulk out bulk of monetary policy and fight inflation because of its corrosive nature and it must be eradicated the, the pain it can cause so i think they will stick to that and, and that will mean an economic slowdown maybe a recession uh, remains to be seen what what will happen there but i think the central banks the ecb rba in australia fed in the us they'll stick to their guns and they'll keep hiking interest rates and do what's needed looking at the uk well they're a little bit different obviously <laughs> now if they do a whole bunch of backflips and get back you know, with consensus, then, you know, that might be a different story. But if they were to per persevere with this policy of expanding fiscal policy and contraction monetary policy, then who knows where they're going to get up. It, put, it puts the Bank of England in a very difficult position because they're trying to fight inflation. So they're trying to slow the economy. And then the government, on the other hand, is expanding the economy. So what does the Bank of England do? Do they try and tighten monetary policy even further to overset, offset what's happening from the government? So it's it's a very difficult position the UK are in. Where they will end up, really, I'm not sure. But I, I think the rest of the world, the rest of the developed world, certainly with independent central banks, will stick to their guns, they'll fight inflation, and ultimately that will, that will succeed. Okay, well, great. Well, thank you very much for that, Greg. That was very insightful. So I very much appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thanks for the time. Thank you again. And also thank you to our to the listeners and to our investors in 4D. Very much appreciate the support. Uh, if there is anything further that you need, please let myself know or one of my colleagues, uh, your designated account director, whoever you have there. But uh, thank you very much again for, for the support, much appreciated.